Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today I'm interviewing Lee Carraher. She is the CEO of Double Forte PR and Digital Marketing. She's an acclaimed communications strategist. Um, she's known for lots of practical solutions to big problems. She and her firm work with some of the top consumer and technology brands in the country. And she's the author of Millennials and Management based on her experience with failing and then succeeding at retaining millennials. And I cannot wait to talk to her about that. And also her next book or her book that is is out now is The Boomerang Principle. And so we'll talk about that as well. So welcome, Lee, to the show. Mary Beth, thank you so much for having me. So tell me about this millennials and management, because this is such a hot topic. You know, I've done a lot of research in this generation's area as it relates to marketing. I've got two millennials that are my kids. I see the differences. Some people have a very negative opinion about millennials. I don't, but it's different. And it is really hard to hire and keep them because they just have a different way of looking at life. So talk a little bit about what that book is about. Sure. So the book really, as you said, came out of my our failure at keeping them. We were easy to attract them. It was hard to keep them. And then actually figuring it out and then um, sharing in the book um, the process and the culture and the things you have to do as boomers and the Gen Xers just to make a couple of changes to actually become a culture where millennials can thrive. And I'll tell you that um, the result is that when you do create a culture where millennials thrive, you're actually creating a culture where boomers and Xers can thrive more. Uh, The reverse is not always true. So it comes out of that experience. I had my company, Double Forte, we're 15 years old this year. Um, In 2010, at the end of 2011, basically, we started hiring millennials after um, not only having people who were 32 years older or older in the company. I really thought nothing of it. I had managed very, very large teams, 750, 850 people, most of whom were under 30. And then I did that in this company, Double Forte. And I uh, didn't think anything, well, how, could, how hard could it be? I've already done this. And it was entirely different and failed miserably. In fact, 100% failure um, in bringing a cohort of millennials into the company. And they were all gone within three months. And I'd never had that happen. And then I did this, what you did, right? You, you start looking at, do a lot of research into it and realized everything about millennials in the workplace was negative. And here's the deal. If we have a business without a millennial, we have a business without a future. And I was unwilling just to buy into all the negativity around this generation in the workplace and sought to figure it out for ourselves. And then actually, the, I had no intention of writing a book. I was asked to write the book based on our experience and based on our, our, our success so I could share what we learned the hard way so p- other people didn't have to like go down that painful path. Yeah. And one of the things that I've, I've found, you know, with the millennials and with research around the millennials is that um, if they, if their parents are Gen Xers mostly or baby boomers, boomers even, yeah. but mostly Gen Xers. So that's, that's who their parents are. And they raised I guess I'm talking about myself too. We raised our children to say, you can do anything. You can do whatever you want. And here's, and then, a, and here's a trophy for it. 
Yeah. Well, and it's not even, it's not even that. Cause I certainly didn't raise my kids that way. Both of my kids are super competitive and they're not into that kind of stuff, but it's, you can do whatever you want. We, we empowered them with this message. And then when we hire them, we don't want them to have that same philosophy. Like, because if they don't feel like there's a purpose behind this at work, they're like, man, I'm done with this. And it okay. has been, it has been something that has been eye opening both with my children, even going to school. Like if they don't yep. like what the college classes are, they don't put the hundred percent effort in. And I'm thinking, well, that's just not how we did it. If we if we had a college yeah. class, we did the class, we took, we went to class, we did all the work, and we got an A because that's what you're supposed to do. And they just have a different philosophy. So how did you see that happening, sort of in your experience? And and what's the solution for that when you get someone in your organization who feels empowered to do anything that they want, but yet not necessarily uh, can do that in an organization? Right. But I think that's very true. I think so many of what you just said is so true. It's all about the parents, actually. It's not necessarily about these people. right? And uh, depending on how old your millennial is, so millennials this year are between 16 years old and 36 years old. You know, your parents are boomers or Xers. And so many boomers had their kids later and so many Xers had their kids later. Right there. And they're, the boomers are working and these Xers are working with people their kids age much more readily than people did who are in the top end of the boomer generation, right? So that's one piece. So a lot of it is about uh, how we raise our kids, how our education system changed, and how all the things that came along with that, uh, including helicopter parenting, including including this idea that we can do anything, and the sort of the, the rise of the self self idea of we can do anything if we have the if we think about it we dream it think it make it you know kind of thing yep uh which was so much part of the same time as the rise of the television generation so you have to think of all these things together what happens in the workplace is that exact thing right they get to the work i've been empowered my whole life and all of a sudden i have i move paper around or all of a sudden i'm not allowed into the ceo's office or all of a sudden like why can't i go to that meeting you know and that is a big uh splash of ice cold water in people's faces. Right? Yes. Uh, and we have done a terrible job, terrible as a, as a culture, we've done a terrible job of preparing younger people for the workplace. So here's what um, we found, right? Because we found exactly that dynamic. What we found was we had to do a much better job of understanding why do we exist as a company? What is our purpose? And if we can't articulate a rally cry, we can't attract the people we want to attract to our company. So we went from Double Forte as a, you know, a high performing exclusive public relations firm <laughs> to Double Forte is the firm that is here to make good companies better. We wake up every day to help our clients make big things happen in their categories. And so that that necessarily wasn't the truth. It was the truth always, right? But we had to articulate it in a very much different way so that we could, uh, there is no extrapolation of meaning. You had to be very very, uh, not oblique, but expressed in how you talk about your mission, your vision, and then the values of how you're going to make decisions every single day. So we've moved from a culture from where, you know, you had excellence as a value to what does excellence actually mean? What is the behavior it actually requires in our culture? And when you do those things, when you, one, you create the rally cry around what the mission is, you create the opportunity for people. What will they learn when they work with you? What is their opportunity to move from this career to the next? Because most millennials believe they will have not just six jobs, they will probably have 12 to 15 jobs, but they might have up to six careers. 
And this is a very different concept than either Gen Xers or Boomers had at their at this age in their lives. So um, what will they get from working with you? Because uh, they don't necessarily have to work with you. Of course they do. Most of them have debt. Uh, but 37% of working millennials live at home and their parents allow that. So you have to imagine all these things. So the first thing is, what is your mission? Why do you exist? Why would you get out of bed to come in in the morning? And why would I want to spend time with you? That's number one. Second is context. Why is this work important? Why is this project important to the work? What is my role in the project? And what will happen if I don't do it? Because if we do That's not understand that, is such a that we, why. yeah, if we don't understand what how our presence, our effort, our expenditure of power actually impacts the ultimate rally cry, we don't do it. So just like you described with your children, I don't like this class. I don't know how it's going to apply to my life. I'm not going to put any effort into it. You have to provide that context all the time, all the time. So um, what we learned fast was, you know, pull the context, take 30 minutes at the beginning of every single project to say, here's what we're doing and why, and here's everybody's roles. And then to ask for input. How can we make it better? How can we make it bigger? Is, there, is this the right allocation of who should do what? Does everyone feel comfortable with this? And 85% of the time, we don't get any response to those questions. Everyone sort of nods their heads. But 15% of the time, people of all ages have an idea that we can incorporate to make it better. So one is context, two is input. I'm sorry, one is rally cry, two is context, three is input. Um, and then four is very specific, positive and constructive feedback throughout a process. Um, and those four ingredients together, and then with the last one, which is really the thing that brings it all together for millennials, Gen Xers, boomers, any human being, is appreciation. Every culture needs to be a culture of appreciation if you want to keep good people in their seats in your company. And I don't mean appreciation that is gratuitous and does not meaningful. But what we know from all the research by very reputable institutions, including the London School of Economics and Wharton and Harvard, is that teams that feel appreciated outperform teams that don't. So if you put in naturally and repeated appreciation where it's deserved, thank you for your effort. I appreciate that you saw this problem and you brought it to my attention. Thank you for staying extra five minutes. Thank you for picking up that ball. Um, those kinds of things throughout your day, you create an environment where people understand that they matter. And if I go back to that first point around context and around what my role is, it's a whole big ecosystem of a virtual positive ecosystem. And those things have a huge impact if you want to not only get millennials, but retain and then help them identify how they can contribute over time in your organization. So yeah. that is a very long answer to your very short question. <laughs> well, I think that is great advice for both hiring and retaining. And it's something that um, I, I've seen companies, even just recently, a company that really thought they had it figured out, had the same experience that you did, although it was, you know, they, they hired five millennials and they lost five millennials within mm -hmm. a very short period of time. And it's really interesting, you know, how, how to figure that out. And it sounds from what you're saying and 
from your book that these are simple concepts. It takes some work to implement them. But one of the yeah. things you said was job hopping is sort of the norm. You, you yeah. know, that that's really, and I know that that's what your book, The Boomerang Principle is about. So talk about that because how can companies sure. learn to sort of leverage that fact? So job hopping, of course, is a point of view from a, an Xer or a boomer about how long people should stay in jobs. It's not a necessarily a millennial's point of view about them changing jobs faster than their older colleagues, right? They don't call it job hopping. They call it career building. Very different point of view, right? Mm, yeah. So millennials know because the economy has told them, because uh, Wall Street has showed them by valuing shareholder value over employment and employee appreciation, and their parents have showed them and told them repeatedly, do not count on one company to carry you for a long time. Make sure you're fresh. Do not get caught flat-footed like I did in 2008, 2009, 2010, because there's still so many millions of people who are still not working at the level that they had anticipated based on what they were doing in 2009, that they should not stay too long in a job or a company number one, that they have to craft their own career and that will that one company probably will not carry them through all their aspiration, particularly if you think you're going to have six careers, not jobs. So millennials have a point of view that I need to take care of my own career and I have to make sure that I am building stepping stones towards whatever my goal is, even if they don't know what that goal is, right? So it is not job hopping from their point of view. It is career building. And if we think about that idea about the the values and the mission and why am I showing up every day, a lot of comments you will hear, and I have a lot of research on this myself for both books, actually, is I would rather, you know, dig a ditch than sit in that soul-sucking job, right, that pays me all this money. <laughs> and um, they have a lot of these people, like I said, 37% of working millennials live at home. They have a fallback position, you know, so it's not, they don't have to, a lot of them don't have to do stuff. So the job hopping thing is a concept and this this idea that people are not loyal is actually an antiquated idea given the today's reality. And what happens when an organization has this point of view, the people, millennials are job hoppers, why should I put so much effort into them? I, as soon as I train one, they leave. Well, you know, it's sort of, if you have that attitude, everybody knows, right? And then we start doing things that actually hasten people's um, way to the door um, by not training, by not investing, by not showing appreciation, by not showing interest in people and their, and their aspirations. Instead, what we should be thinking about is how do we make everybody as productive as possible while they're with us? And what happens if we worry about that instead of worrying about people leaving? Because every time you hire someone, you assume they're going to leave you sometime. It should not be a surprise, except that they leave us when we don't want them to. That is a disappointment, right? That we're not in control of people leaving us, right? So when we stop worrying about that and we start worrying about making helping people be as productive as possible while they're here, the reverse is true. When you start worrying about that, people stay longer. They don't leave you, right? Because you're not worrying about it anymore. It's, a, it's an abundance point of view, not a scarcity point of view, right? Working from abundance, not fear. Um, and my point of view about loyalty in general is that, you know, this concept of and no one's loyal anymore, 
Well, there's no reason for people to be loyal anymore. We see it every single day. We saw it um, a couple weeks ago when Ford, the CEO of Ford, got ousted from his company, even though they have more cash today than they've had in you know decades, even when they have better performance in terms of how many cars sold and what their bottom line is than they've had in decades. But their, the, what the street felt was the value of the company kept declining, despite the fact that the numbers showed a different thing. We also saw this um, with American Airlines in April. American Airlines gave their pilots a raise to get them in line with Delta and United so they could keep the people who are flying our planes and keeping their business going in the company through uh, remuneration, right? And what happened? The stock dropped. And shareholders said, once again, shareholders are not valued as much as employees. This mindset is totally backwards, right? So we've told people, we showed people that we're not loyal to them. Instead of thinking about loyalty when we pay somebody, which by definition is not loyalty, we should be thinking about loyalty over an entire career. How do I inspire loyalty after you leave me so that when you leave me, you can still help me because every employee today can help you or hurt you when they leave you. And we should be doing everything we can to have them help us over time. Now, I think that is great advice because you see so much online about employees who left a firm and they're negative and they post things online. And it's 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 real, I mean, it's airing dirty laundry, but you, you wish that people would leave a company and go, wow, that was great while well, I worked there and now I'm on to someplace else. And it uh, it's a very positive way of looking at the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I think the most the most impactful person in a recruiting situation is actually the former employee who posts a positive review of that company. Yeah, because they really do know, and they have no reason yeah, to they say didn't something have positive. To. Yeah, there's no reason to put the effort into it unless they feel so strongly. Right. Exactly. Well, this has been very enlightening. I have uh, enjoyed talking about all of this with you about your book, Millennials in Management, and about the boomerang principle and about the ideas and working with millennials. How can people reach you? What What's some of your maybe social media or website? Sure. The best place to go is my website, www.leecarraher.com, L-E-E-C-A-R-A-H-E-R.com. You can follow me on Twitter at at Lee Carraher. You can see me on Facebook at Lee Carraher and Instagram at Lee Carraher. I am super easy to find. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Female Insight Zone. Mary Beth, it's been wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.